Today we conclude the Lord's Prayer. And the last line of the Lord's Prayer reads this, For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever and ever. Amen. Now, let's read Matthew 6.13 in how Jesus teaches the last line of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Finish. So where is it? Where is this line? Right? In the Gospel of Luke, Luke retells his story about how Jesus is um, teaching the Lord's Prayer. And Luke 11.4 reads, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. The end. And so what's really interesting is we read this, we read the Lord's Prayer, and that line, yours is the kingdom, the power and glory, but it's actually not there. So where is it then? Right? We actually have to go to a different version of the Bible called the King James Version. And this was a translation that was written in the 1600s. And we go to King James's version, Matthew 6.13, and it reads this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. There it is. Now, before we go on to what is it, why the difference? Right? Now, I could try to explain to you why the difference, but I found someone who quoted it better than me. The reason is that when King James Version was translated, the translation was made from the best manuscripts in existence at the time. Since then, better manuscripts have been discovered, and we find this petition omitted from these better manuscripts. So when they translated the Bible in the 1600s, based on the manuscripts, the original text of Scripture that they had, that was in there because that was in what they had. Since then, we've found better and more precise manuscripts of of the Bible, and actually that line isn't in there. So that's the difference. Now, there are many arguments to whether this line should be included in the Lord's Prayer or just in the footnotes of the Bible. Right, and this is a really big argument about you know the 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 inerrancy of the Bible and you know, the accuracy of the Bible and things like that. And here's my here's my take on it: Should it be in there? Should it not be in there? I don't know. That's my genuine conclusion to it because there are so many people that are smarter than me that have been studying this way more than I do, and they are undecided on whether it should be or not. So I'm happy to say I'm going to sit on the fence. And not have an opinion and just accept that it could be in there and it's not in there. But whether it is or not, I believe that the way that Jesus is teaching us how to pray, this is the way to conclude. The prayer for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Is what we call a doxology, right? It's a big word. Okay, so let me define it. A doxology is a set of words to express Praise to God used in ceremonies of public worship. One of the most common doxologies that is sung in many churches uh, within their pr- uh, is this, Praise God from whom all blessings fl- flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You may or may not have heard this. Uh, some churches, they sing this at the end of their service. A doxology is a song of praise, praising God, giving the attention and acknowledgement of who God is. And so when we look at the Lord's Prayer, Jesus starts with the teaching, 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He begins with the acknowledgement of who God is, that his name is hallowed, that his name is holy. It is set apart. There is no one like him. And he ends the teaching of the Lord's Prayer with this doxology. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. And it's so counter how we pray. Right? And, and the Lord's Prayer is, is such a rebuke to the way we pray. Because when we pray, it's like, dear God, me, me, what I need, what I want, this is what I think. And yet when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, our Heavenly Father, and he starts with, hallowed be your name, and he finishes with, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. It's actually about you. The focus is on you. It's a reminder that everything belongs to God. Everything begins and ends with Him. And so Jesus mentions three things that are of God's. And we're going to go through this. Number one, yours is the kingdom. Similar to the prayer, your kingdom come. This prayer is to declare not just that God's kingdom would rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven, but that God would be king over all. You are king, God. That's what we're saying. When we say yours is the kingdom, this is your kingdom whom you are king over all. Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Amen. That's how we pray. That's our prayer. Yours is the kingdom. And because yours is the kingdom, you are king. See, but as we declare that God is king, what we're also saying is that because God is king, you and I are not king. See, the same declaration, yours is the kingdom, is saying, God, if you're the king of your kingdom, there can only be one king, I'm laying down my little crown. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the king. We are surrendering our little crowns and throwing them aside as we bow down before Jesus Christ, who alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. Yours is the kingdom. Secondly, yours is the power. This is a declaration that our Heavenly Father, the King of the kingdom, is powerful beyond measure. The same power that created the heavens and the earth. The same power that defeated evil and the evil one. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. The same power that forgave our sins and made us into a new creation. Yours is the power. This is all from God. He's the owner of this absolute power. That is what we're praying. Yours is the power. Ephesians 1, 19 to 23, and He's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Yours is the power, is the prayer of acknowledgement that God is almighty and God is all-powerful. Yours is the power. And thirdly, Jesus teaches us yours is the glory. When we pray yours is the glory, what we're saying is that all goodness, all acknowledgement, all recognition, all attention 
is yours. You're the main character. One definition of glory is magnificence or great beauty. And so what we're saying is when we pray, yours is the glory, we say that all good things, all things of magnificence, all things of beauty, all belong to God and God alone. No one is like Him. No one can compare to Him. All of it belongs to Him. We read this in Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy 1.17. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory for your forever and ever Amen. All things are back to you. Yours is the glory. Now, there are three words at the end of the prayer. Forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Forever. Amen. The word forever helps us to acknowledge that the kingdom, the power, and the glory are not just temporary uh, items that belong to God, but actually belong to God for all eternity. Has been, is now, will always be. Now and forever be God's and God's alone. It's also a reminder that God's kingdom and His power and His glory will not fade away. You and I will fade away. This world we live in will fade away. But what is of God's will not fade away. It will last forever. And the last word, amen, 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 right? We use this word all the time. The word amen is an affirmation of everything that has been said prior. So, you know, when we pray together, right, someone prays and at the end we say, you know, amen. What, what is it we're actually doing? What we're actually saying is everything that has just been said, I agree with that, I want that, right on. That's what amen says, right? So there are sometimes, uh, not as much in our church, we're, really, we're a relatively quiet church. Uh, you know, we're sort of reserved and respectful and quiet and whatnot. Uh, not all of us, but you know. But you know, you, you, you go to some churches, um, you know, our, our, our charismatic brothers and sisters, you know, you go to their church and, and the preacher is preaching and they're like, amen. Now, I remember first, uh, when I first heard that in a sermon, right, preacher's preaching and, and someone will go, amen. And I'm like, did he just pray? <laughs> like, did I just miss something? Right? But if we understand what the word amen is, it, it literally means, yes, I agree. So when I say, God is good, and someone goes, amen, what the amen is affirming is I agree with that statement that God is good. Now, would I love our church to be more vocal? Of course I would. Right? In, in, you know, in appropriate times. I remember when we first started Years and years ago, there was one guy, he just missed the timing. <laughs> this is like not even at our church, right? I don't know, some of the old folk would know, this guy called Shin, right? Anyway, I didn't want to mention him, but just in case, just in case he's, you know, joining us online, I love you, brother. Um, I would say something, and instead of him going, amen, straight away, he'd wait halfway through the next sentence and then be like, and then, amen. I'm like, what? You missed the timing, bro. But that's what amen is saying. 
That's what it means to say amen. Right? Maybe some of you, that's the first time you ever heard this, right? For years, every time someone prays, you're like, amen. You just thought that's the way to conclude the prayer so we know that that's the end. It's a full stop. No, it's not. It's your declaring. I agree with what has just been said. Amen. Now, this is what our, from our charismatic brothers and sisters to our Presbyterian brothers and sisters, this is what the Presbyterians have to say about the Lord's Prayer. The conclusion of the Lord's Prayer teaches us to be encouraged only by God in our prayers and to praise Him by acknowledging that kingdom, power, and glory are His to show that we want to be heard and have confidence that we are, we say, Amen. The conclusion of the Lord's Prayer is a song of praise, an acknowledgement of who God is is, who it is that we're praying to. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that our prayer is not just a one-way communication, but it's an acknowledgement of who is on the other side, who it is that we're communicating with, and who it is, who it is that we are in communion with. And so as we conclude the Lord's Prayer this morning, I ask this question, friends, why do we pray? Jesus is teaching us to pray. This is a model of how to pray. These are things that you can pray for. But why do we pray? Why do we pray to God? Why do we pray to our Heavenly Father, the Creator of heaven and earth? And the answer is this. We pray to God because we are not God. We pray to God because we are not God. The reason why we pray is to invite God and His kingdom and His power and His glory into our lives and into our world. We invite and invoke the supernatural that is God into our lives. Because friends, the reality is this. If you don't need God, if you don't need His kingdom, His power, and His glory in your life, if you are doing fine without God, you've got everything under control, you've got inner peace, you've got everything that you need, then you don't need to pray. You don't need to pray. Because ultimately, that's your God. can't even complain. That's my kid. <laughs> just, I had this moment this week. Just pause. I had this moment this week, right? <laughs> it's like pastor counseling. I had this moment this week where I was like, why are there so many of them? <laughs> just... Uh, do you want to know why I pray? Because number one, two, three, four, five, right? Like, <sighs> Friends, if you're doing just fine, you don't need to pray. But here's reality. My reality and your reality. We're not fine. We're far from fine. We are Physically, we are broken. How many people have been sick in the last month? 
How many people are dealing with cancer and diseases that there is no... It's, it's amazing to think that we are so technologically advanced, we are so medically advanced, and yet there are illnesses in this world that, literally this phrase, do not have a cure. How is that so? We are the smartest that we've ever... Well, some of us are the smartest that we've ever been, Right? And yet we still have illnesses that do not have a cure. We're not fine. We are so emotionally damaged. My fourth son, always emotional, damn, you know, like, I don't know where he heard this from, right? We are the most connected society in history. Social media has completely changed the way that we connect with each other. Globalization. I can call someone right now over in the States to ask them how much, you know, is a burger, you know, immediate. We are so connected, and yet we are the most lonely. We are the most lonely society ever. We are the richest generation ever. We have more money in our current generation combined with everything that's been in the past. And yet you hear Pastor Rosemary talk about People sleeping in their cars. Like when you heard that, like a mum and a kid sleeping in their car. Like we have, we are the most richest society and yet that still exists. Do not tell me that our society is fine. Do not tell me that we are, (laughs) don't tell me we don't need help. Our generation is, has the most mental illness ever. Friends, when we don't pray, when we, when we don't think we need to pray, ultimately, ultimately what you're saying to yourself is, you know what? I don't need God. I can work this out. I've got it under control. And you know what the Bible would tell and and call you? The Bible will call you an arrogant fool. The arrogant fool says that there is no God. There is no need for God. Just like the Pharisee, who prayed before God, praising himself and his good deeds, not needing an ounce of what God had to offer. So foolish, so proud. But friends, the posture of prayer is not that arrogant Pharisee, but it's that sinner. That sinner that couldn't, he couldn't even come to the altar to pray. He couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. 
Because he knew who he was. He knew how sinful he was. He knew how broken he was, his life was. And he prays, uh, uh, he prays a prayer of pure desperation. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Friends, when we pray, we invite the king of the universe into our lives. And we communicate with the king of the universe to ask him for provision, for forgiveness, for protection. And here's the beauty. When we pray, God is all we need. There is nothing that our our God cannot do. There is nothing that our God cannot fix. There is nothing that our God cannot redeem. And for some of us, we might be like, God, we want this here and now. And what God is saying, look, I know you and my timing is better than yours. My plans are better than yours. You know, for some of us, for some of us, the conclusion and the answer to our prayers may be here and now in this lifetime. And and for some of us, it might not be. I'm sorry. We can't question that. We have to trust that God is in control. We have to trust that. But we pray because God is able to answer prayer. And God is able to do things in this world that we cannot. We pray because God can do things in our lives that we cannot. So this morning, this is our prayer. A reminder of who God is. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Let's pray.